is Keep It Simple, a weekly discussion of significant issues regarding the Word of God and His people. Our host is Pastor Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Pasadena, and the Simple Truths Radio Ministries. Good day and welcome to Keep It Simple, the weekly internet radio talk show featuring Pastor Xavier Reese in the ministry of Calvary Chapel in Pasadena, California. With us in the studio this morning, our Pastor Xavier. How are you doing, sir? Good, good. Thank you, Tony. My pleasure. Our production engineer, John Duran. Good morning, good morning. Hey, John. Mm-hmm. And our special guest today from Calvary Chapel in El Monte, California, our brother, Pastor Manny Coronilla. How you Good doing, Manny? Thank you so much for having me. Hey, it's a pleasure, me. bro. It's Absolutely. Pastor Xavier, you know, one of the real blessings in being able to talk to the servants of the Lord, people who are really committed to the Lord's work and his ministry on this program, it, we be, we're able to hear firsthand some of the amazing things that God is doing and to share those things with other people. Do you have the same experience when you visit other churches and talk to them, Pastor X? Sure. It's always interesting how God uh, raised up the church and how the calling came to the man. Um, again, we're looking from our perspective here in uh, the United States. Um, it's a little different here because we have more uh, uh, availability of things. We have a greater freedom. Um, but the, the common denominator um, regards of the background, the situation, or the locality is that God is the one that calls and anoints men and sends men um, to start works, to be his servant. And uh, unless God is in and behind that man, really it's a useless effort. And it has to be contrived and worked at and organized and sanitized and everything else. When it's God, then he does the work he wants to do. Amen. And what a pleasure it is to see that as it comes to pass. We see the the fingerprints of the Holy Spirit all over the details as they go forward. You know, we've shared in the past that every church is a little bit different. and But again, we see the consistency of the Word of God being lived out in the way that people conduct themselves and in the lives of pastors. With that in mind, you know, Pastor Manny, we have an excellent opportunity today to talk to you about some of the things that make uh, your church similar to churches all around the world and some of the things that make it a little bit different. Pastor Manny has been a friend of the church here in Pasadena for many, many years. Uh, he's been a guest speaker for Pastor Xavier. He's taught at ministry schools and special conferences. And I wonder, Pastor Manny, can you give us a brief idea of the circumstances, how the Lord brought you in to ministry? Sure, sure, absolutely. Before I do, I just want to say thank you uh, for your faithfulness. It's uh it's been a blessing just to see what God has done through Calvary Chapel, Pasadena, Pastor X, uh, you, Tony, Jonathan. What a blessing to see you using your gifts for him. God is good. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, and we appreciate that. We as uh, new pastors, in one sense, we really need that. We need those mentors. Um, you know, when I think of my, my, my life in the ministry, I think of uh, Proverbs 16, verse 9. This is a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And I can honestly say that I I just don't know how God would use someone like me. You know, I uh, in life really I didn't try because I didn't think I had a chance. And so just kind of doing my own thing, partying like 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 many of us. But um, when I got saved, uh, I just was radically transformed by God. He yeah. set me free uh, overnight. He just came into me and almost overwhelmed me 
with His presence. And so when I uh, got saved, it was like a natural thing. I didn't need anybody to, to push me or to persuade me or to twist my arm. I just knew I was saved uh, to serve. And so what I did, uh, just uh, fell in love with the Lord, started reading His Word, spending time in prayer, uh, getting involved in ministry, little things, but uh, all along the way realizing that uh, those little things uh, I I wasn't even worthy to do. Um, His grace has been so amazing in my life. And so, you know, not that I had it planned out, but uh, my, my heart was, Lord, help me to be faithful wherever you place me. And uh, he has done the work. It, it's been a blessing. Amazing. It, it's such a pleasure to hear how people are exposed to the Lord and the Lord does the work. The Lord opens the door. He works inside of you and he instructs you in the way that you should go. And it's it never ceases to amaze me every time I talk to a person who's come to faith in Christ. And especially in your situation, God has all kinds of plans for you, as he does for everybody. He has plans for every person who comes to faith in Christ to serve him and to be effective and to use the gifts that God's given them according to his purpose. Now, it's interesting to me, you know, Pastor Manny, I'm sure at at El Monte here in Pasadena as well, we talk to people often who come to faith in Jesus, but for whatever reason, they don't feel moved to really engage themselves in the work of ministry. And that wasn't the case with you, was it? No, you know, again, it wasn't necessarily something that I planned. I think it was something God put in my heart. I remember the early days, you know, just uh, going to church as much as I could. I would go Sunday morning, Sunday night. Midweek service, we had a young adult service. I was just constantly there. I had a hunger uh, to get into his word, to read books. I think God had placed a calling on my life. But, you know, um, serving in the, in the Bible college, serving uh, in the convalescent ministry, my wife and I, we would go uh, every week to, uh, for two years we would go and do worship, and then eventually I was allowed to, to do a little teaching there. Uh, just, uh, she was involved in children's ministry Just um, as God would open doors, you know, just trying to be faithful there. Um, And I think I really believe that that we're saved to serve, you know, and the only question is where, you know, and it's not necessarily someone having to. It shouldn't be anyways, uh, someone having to convince you of that. We um, that's our Lord. He said in Mark 10, 45, that even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And so when he bought us on the cross, our, our life is not our own. We were bought with a price. And I think, you know, I always kind of think weird. I, I, I don't know if it's weird or not. Uh, Pastor Xavier helped me out on this. But I think that when we were knit together in our mother's womb, that God had a plan uh, before time. And then uh, as we yield to him, that plan uh, begins to, to take place. And so, um, you know, trying to be obedient, following him one step at a time. But, uh, yeah, I, I just... I wish that the the whole church, that every single person would know, doesn't matter if you're a pastor or a missionary or wherever it is, that they would know that they belong uh, in in the body somewhere and that they, I always tell people, discover your gift, develop it, and then deploy it 
But that's the key is serving the Lord. You know, Amen. that's why we're Amen. saved. And if you're not serving, you're not going to really discover that gift. You're not going to have the opportunity. Yeah. Reminds me a lot of your, your testimony, Pastor Xavier, how from the moment you got saved, you were from the first week involved in serving and looking for opportunity to serve. Yeah. But that's not always the case. You know, if you just look at the American church in itself. Now, granted, some people say, well, if that's the case and some people really aren't saved. Now, there is some numbers there, but not all of them. Um, because um, I would say the majority of the work that is done in the average church in the United States, whether it be in terms of ministry gifts and, and, and service or even financial support, it's probably no more than 10 to 15%. Very small group, yeah. So you've got about 85% of the body that needs desperate exercise, but all they're doing <laughs> is sitting. Uh, and you've got 15% that need some rest, but they keep on going. Uh, that That's just the way it is. That's the reality. Again, those numbers, and again, I'm just speaking from walking with the Lord for 43 years, being in ministry about 40 years, and being around the Calvary chapels and... Uh, and, and ministry itself, that I don't think those, those percentages are, are, are too far off from Brack uh, or one way or the other. And, and, and it magnifies the incredible love of God and the um, all power of God that He doesn't really need us to do the work. Amen. But He will more than want to use us. Ephesians 2.10, He says, We are God's handiwork. In Christ Jesus, that we might walk in them, but doesn't that we will walk in them? Mm. We you have know, the opportunity. Yes, you know, parents um, parents have children, and um, as uh, they're born, you know, you have your great aspiration for your children that they might just um, grow up and walk with the Lord and and get educated and give um, be doers and givers to the world society. Um, but that isn't always the case, and it isn't because you haven't taught them, and it isn't because they don't have the potential capacity. It's because they choose not to. Amen. And there are a lot of people in the church that choose not to, and they will be in heaven. Uh, but they think their gift is um, two feet of pew yeah. or a chair. And it shows a carnality. There's great carnality in the church. And unfortunately, they miss out. Of course. Because that service is the very best thing for us. Yeah, absolutely. It's a privilege. It really is. And it's uh, it's the, you know, when you discover... You're calling, you know, you're called by God somewhere. When you discover that and uh, and you run with it, it's then I think you find this uh, great satisfaction in being a Christian, you know. And, you know, you, you gain perspective. Uh, people, uh, carnality in the church again, have this idea that pastors are better than other people or, you know, evangelists are like better, you know, people on television, people on radio, et cetera. It's, but it's not, it's so untrue. And I know you know that, Manny. I know that you know that the guy who's sweeping your parking lot in El Monte is somebody that God has gifted and blessed and is an important and necessary part of the body. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure Pastor Xavier feels the same way. There's no way we could do what we get to do. We, I mean, I think about it sometimes as a pastor, that I get to, I get to study God's Word. I mean, I get to spend time in prayer, and that right there is just amazing. But the only reason I get to do that is because I have so many uh, beautiful people around me that are holding up my hands. There are people out there working, giving to the ministry. And one thing I know for sure is that even though I know we have a, a greater responsibility and accountability, uh, that there's not one position more important than the other. And, and Jesus said one day 
we're going to see that, that the first will be last and the last will be first. Amen. Amen. Manny, can you tell us just briefly, how did the Lord make it clear to you that he wanted you to be uh, the senior pastor of the church there in El Monte? Hmm. Probably uh, that would have to happen as retrospect, you know, looking back when it actually did happen. Um, you know, when I look at my life, uh, like I said earlier, I, uh, I didn't really try to succeed in anything because I didn't really think I, I could. You know, I grew up uh, in the city of Almani, and what happened in, in my life is uh, I had a burden. It wasn't that I thought I could be a pastor or had anything uh, special. I, I just had a burden. I had a burden for a particular community. And so as I was just serving the Lord, and, and again, not with a plan, not with an agenda, just trying to be faithful, I guess you could say one day that burden just became overwhelming, and I don't know how it happened. I almost feel like I was a, a spectator, but somehow God moved me out into uh, this step of faith where I would uh, end up going street witnessing on the streets of El Monte. That's how the church started. I just said, okay, I pray that someone will get saved, and that when they get saved, I'll ask them, hey, can we do a Bible study at your house? And uh, I knew one thing. I didn't just want to start a church. I wanted to minister in the city of El Monte. And so that's kind of how it happened. And then, you know, we did the home study like many churches. Uh, that's how they start. And then that grew into a, a Sunday study. And then when it actually, you know, began and it was real, I guess you could say, Tony, that it was then that I, that I knew that God had entrusted something like this to me. Um, but it wasn't really prior to, I guess in, in many ways, and everywhere, everyone's different. Maybe some know going into it that their calling is like that. But for me, it was just when it happened. And, uh, you know, I still thank God for his amazing grace in my life. I, I know for sure that uh, when it's the Lord, um, that he gets all the glory. One of the things that Xavier that has said many years ago, um, probably, you know, 15 years ago that stuck to me is uh, the best of men are men at best. And, uh, you know, that's what I know about myself. Amen. Amen. But it's still that's an amazing encouragement mm -hmm. to so many people who uh, their gifts or their uh, opportunities from the Lord are basically just question marks to them. But as they are faithful in doing the little things, God is faithful to do the greater thing, the thing that he has sure. intended but for But you us. know, Manning mentioned the key thing is that um, there's no agenda. There's no um, pre-plan. There's no um, organization to make myself successful or to accomplish a goal. Um, it's God who does it. So we just serve the Lord. If a person is born again, they serve the Lord in whatever capacity or position he sets them and they they're hungry for the word and then god develops that god directs and guides. it's a lot easier as i said often to direct the moving object than one standing still mm. and so as we are born again and we're studying we're reading we're praying we're going to church we're serving there then god will direct and guide us um the people who aren't reading or studying and aren't um, making themselves available well they just sit and it's like a parked car. It's not going to get out of there unless you move it. Okay? It's going to sit there. Um, five, years, five years, ten years, <laughs> through five days, okay, until you move it. And so it's the same. But again, I think the key is that there is no 
There is no hidden agenda. In the heart of man, the sinful heart of man, there's always an agenda, whether it be to help people, whether it be to court a young lady, whether it be a business deal, whether it be whatever. There's always a hidden agenda or there's always a plan and what can we do this? But if God's in it, then we just serve him. And God, as we're serving him and we're moving down the road here, then he'll begin to direct and speak to us. But I don't think he lays everything out. He certainly didn't lay it out to me. You just love him and you serve him and you see what he's doing. You're excited what he's doing. Whether it be a few, whether it be many, it doesn't matter. Uh, because there is no hidden agenda. And that is the key. That's always a test of every man in ministry. Is there an agenda or is it just love service to the Lord? Amen. Amen. And that's such an important point because it it, it identifies legitimate service because it, the Lord is the focal point. He's the thing that we have our eyes fixed upon. And in that circumstance, I think, Manny, you could share, there's nothing like knowing that you're doing what God wants you to do today. Yeah, that, absolutely. You know, um, when Jesus, uh, you know, appointed Peter, when he recommissioned him, so to speak, he just asked him, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And I think that Hopefully that's uh, that's our heart. You know, there, there's a principle of ministry. It says the motive of the ministry is love. And uh, in 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about different members of the body. Chapter 14 talks about gifts, prophecy, tongues. But sandwiched between those uh, two chapters of ministry is the chapter of love, you know. And that's how we have to exercise our gifts. Um, prayerfully, uh, that's our motive. And that's why we do what we, we do. Lord... I love you. I thank you. You died for me on that cross. I, I, I just am overwhelmed with the fact that the maker and maintainer of the universe who holds everything together by the power of his word was nailed to a, a bloody cross for me. Amen. I mean, who am I not to respond to that in such a way that uh, I would just say, and I, and I know I think that's part of the key is... Uh, when God gets a hold of somebody, and I, I'm not there yet, but I want to be, um, here's my life. Lord, do whatever you want to do with my life. The problem with uh, the church, the problem with this nation especially, is we want to do it our way. We want to do our own thing. And yet uh, we were bought with a price. Uh, prayerfully, we come away without understanding. Lord, do whatever you want. Like Isaiah, here am I. Send me. Amen. And the work of God is always opposed. Yeah. And, you know, that's, you know, when they ask Jesus, uh, which is the greatest commandments? Mm -hmm. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, mm -hmm. and soul. And the second, love your neighbor yourself. So the vertical is the most important. Mm -hmm. First John says that um, God first loved us, and we respond in our love for him. So our, our love is always a response to his initiation. Mm -hmm. The vertical is always the, the, the necessary source, the connection. Um, for us in America, we have a little more distractions. Um, for a lot of you believers that are out there in the world and you live under very um, uh, dire situations, very dangerous, um, for you, you don't have that many distractions. You understand the love of God uh, in a lot uh, clearer way and perhaps even sooner where we, uh, we are, uh, to an extent, cursed with uh, comfort mm -hmm. and uh, distractions that we have to fight against. Nevertheless, God knows and He's sovereign and He has chosen us to be here and you there. And we know that He has sufficient for all things. 
And so, but that vertical axis is the most important that um, we first love God. That that's that's the source. You know, some of those distractions come from outside, but some of them come from inside. Some of them are just our own carnal nature, our own foolishness that yes. we we allow ourselves to, or we even uh, cultivate distraction, unfortunately, in our own lives. And what a wonderful and amazing thing the fellowship of the body of believers is together. And and for, for us, especially as we daily are encouraging people in the things that we need to be encouraged in, pointing people back to the scripture, encouraging people in prayer, encouraging people to step out and serve the Lord. Uh, you know, it, it's difficult that uh, Pastor Manny, nobody really understands the issues that you deal with as a senior pastor. Now, I could say the same thing about people involved in any area of service. Mm -hmm. You know, their issues are unique to them as a person and also the activity that that they do. Does that make it more difficult to serve the Lord under those circumstances? Um, You know, probably. I I don't think about it a whole lot, although um, I'll I'll be honest with you, uh, Pastor Tony. My... um you know, being a senior pastor, obviously the one thing the devil would, would want to keep me from doing is praying and uh, and not teaching the word. Uh, pastor Xavier knows uh, really well about the fact that there's a movement in the church to get away from the word. There's the emerging church. There's, a, you know, there's this watering down of the word. And, and so there's that temptation, I think. You want to relate to people. But thank God for Pastor Chuck. Thank God for the... The fact that he said, you know, you just keep feeding the, the sheep and, and they'll beget the sheep. You equip them for works of ministry. So there is that, that temptation to get away from the word and, and to be lazy, not pray the way I should. And so there's that. Another thing I think of, and I don't know what you think on this, Pastor X, is that I think of my wife a lot. I think of the fact that the enemy would love to take me down with pride or women or money. And, uh, you know, he'll, he'll try to come after me. But if for some reason, maybe by God's grace, because people are praying for me, that I'm doing okay, I think that Manny heads after my wife and uh, my family. And I do think that there is that type of opposition that, that, is, uh, that can be pretty hard towards a ministry family. Amen. Yeah. I know that uh, I think we'd all agree our wives are just a powerful tool of God to help us stay focused mm-hmm. on... Uh, the issues that God's working in our lives. And it's yeah. amazing how God uses that relationship. Yeah. And God, God meant that from the beginning. You know, he said, it's not good for man to be alone. I'll make a help me comparable to him. He told Adam there in Genesis. And he caused his deep sleep to fall upon him from his cursed sight. He took flesh, bone, and blood, and he made the woman. And uh, when uh, Adam saw her, he says, this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She should be called woman. And for this reason, shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. They too shall become one flesh. And so God, from the beginning... Set the order of society, one man, one woman, family unit. The family unit is the nucleus of society. When that family unit is fractured, as we've seen in our nation tremendously, uh, the world, when we see the philosophies of um, that contradict the Word of God as the purpose of man and a woman in marriage, mm-hmm. to have children in marriage, to be faithful to each other in marriage, and God holds every man and woman responsible for that covenant of marriage, whether they are Christians or not. Hmm. Because that's the only thing that makes society productive. As we see our, um, our liberal perspective of the view of uh, 
men and women and that marriage is kind of archaic, outdated, that we really don't need it. There are many other forms of cohabitation, living well, together or whatever. It all kind of comes from this idea that human beings are just a highly evolved animal. Right. That's right. where it starts right. at. And once you do, once you break that down, then the rest follows. Right. Well, the thing is that they challenge, you know, like Satan said, has God said. And so that's always, there's always the attack for the word of God, to question the word of God. Once you question the word of God, then you can now try to make the word of God better, improve on it. Right. Okay? Which it isn't. It's a deterioration of it. And then the problems come. And as we look to America, we look to the world, when uh, marriage is seen as something that <coughs> is not in line with the Word of God and, in fact, takes a different venue or different direction, mm -hmm. you see the complications. You see the, um, the heartache. You see the destruction. You see the emptiness. Uh, that takes place upon men and women and the destruction of the children. Um, the new concept today is that uh, we are, our sexuality is not introduced or, or fixed by our birth, um, that we're not born male or female, but we are still evolving. And somehow down this journey of life, you're going to discover what your sexuality is. And now the, um, the universities are up to... Um, I could be corrected, maybe 16 up to 20 categories when the Bible says male and female. The only thing that categorizes you as who you are is one of two categories. You're male or female. Your race, your ethnicity, your color, your skin, your belief, your emotions, your feelings, your ideas do not categorize who you are. So once you get away from that simple category, which, by the way, distinguishes you from the animal kingdom, then you will buy into all the lies of the evolutionary process of mankind. And my question is, if we are evolving, we're, we're, we're degenerating in our evolution. Amen. Evolution supposedly is upward. But our society and world points to a downward. Yes. And if you look at any, quote, quote, um, duplication, if you will, through the process of that they, someone will believe in a, um, an upward move of evolution. If you take fruit flies and you can observe many generations in a short thousands, time. Thousands of generations. So yeah. every, every time there is a, a, an, an evolutionary change, it's always downward. It's inferior, mm -hmm. never superior. What would give us to believe that the human evolution would be any different than downward? Because it's not true evolution at all. There's just mutations. Mm -hmm. And it's our sin nature that mutates to the evil of our nature. Mm -hmm. And so I can only understand that if I believe the word of God, what it says about me. It says that my heart is deceitful, deathfully wicked. I'm a sinner by nature. And unless God transforms my heart and I ask forgiveness of my sins, I see myself in light of what God says I am and who I am, then there's hope for me. As he comes in, he cleanses me, he gives me a new heart, he gives me a new hope, he gives me a new source of life, the divine nature that Second Peter speaks about, chapter 1, 3 through 4, pertaining to all things to life and godliness, that we might escape the corruption of the world through lust, only with the new birth. And then I'm set on track 
in line with the Word of God. I recalibrate my mind to the Word of God. I recalibrate my conscience to the Word of God because my conscience and my heart has been so defiled prior to Jesus Christ. Mm. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I believe that. When you believe that, then God begins to work on that. Yeah, one of the things I've noticed in that is that um, Satan's uh, tactics haven't changed. He's just a liar, you know. Thank God for his word because it's the truth mm-hmm. in a world that First John five nineteen lies, says lies under the sway of the wicked one. And so there's that passage in Romans that says they believed the lie. And to me, I, I, I'm not 100% sure, but I think the lie might be the evolutionary lie that we, we, you know, we, we don't have a God that we're accountable to. That we don't have a God who loves us, who made us, who redeemed us. And then without that, uh, then we're left to cultural relativism. We're left to whoever, uh, whatever you say is right is right. We're now living in a society, Isaiah 520, where they say good is evil and evil is good. It's Amen. everything's backwards. Mm-hmm. So we need to know that we were made in his image and that we've sinned. We've separated ourselves from God because of that sin. And he doesn't want us to go to hell. And so he sent his son to die on that cross for us. And as we place our faith in Christ, who died for our sins and rose again the third day, then we will be saved. And I think that, you know, we got to give apologetics. We have to give, you know, reasons for the faith. But as we share the gospel, that's kind of what happened to me is I got saved. And then like the light turned on, you know, then I understood these things. And so it's a combination of apologetics sharing that and sharing the gospel and then we kind of understand you know hey this is what life is all about if you've just tuned in you're listening to keep it simple a weekly radio talk show calvary chapel of pasadena with pastor xavier reese focusing on current ministry issues here and around the world and we'll be right back after these messages Pastor Xavier Reese on the annual Simple Truths Conference. Yeah, we get together and concentrate just on the need that's going on for the day, whatever people are going through, or the thing at large in the culture that just equip the saints. And now these messages are available in a flash drive. It's an audio collection drawing from past Simple Truths Conferences held at Calvary Chapel, Pasadena. Included are well over 50 audio messages covering a variety of conference themes, such as the Second Coming, the emerging church movement, spiritual discernment, and so many more taught by Pastor Xavier Reese and many other prominent guest speakers. It's the Simple Truths Conference's USB flash drive, available now in the online store at calvarychapelpasadena.com. Get hours of teachings on relevant topics concerning the church today, compiled on one convenient PC-Mac-compatible reusable flash drive. That's the Simple Truths Conference's USB flash drive. Look for it in the online store at calvarychapelpasadena.com. Calvary Chapel Pasadena Sunday Evening Concert Series presents an evening with For All Seasons, coming March 12th. makes God's love so incredible is the fact that he's an all-powerful God that has always been, will forever be, and we're actually just joining the song of heaven that's already taking place. For All Seasons encourages communities near and far to worship God in every season of life. 
There's no charge, so invite an unsaved friend for a special evening of worship in song, followed by a message from Pastor Xavier Reese, Sunday, March 12th at 6 p.m. Log on to CalvaryChapelPasadena.com for all the details of For All Seasons in Concert at Calvary Chapel Pasadena. We return now to Keep It Simple and this week's discussion, addressing issues of consequence for the church. Hosted by Pastor Xavier Reese of Calvary Chapel, Pasadena. And you are joining us with Keep It Simple with Pastor Xavier Reese. And Pastor X, we are excited about that concert on March 12th. Yeah, it's always great. You know, um, we continue to have concerts as long as God uses them. You know, there was a time when we uh, dropped them off because God just wasn't using the concert that much. And we moved in different directions. And uh, now, you know, God's been using them. And so we have that open door to be able to minister to young people. Um, they will invite their friends. And they'll come to a concert, and we get the shirt, the Word of God. In fact, that's how God at first in Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, um, used uh, the great movement. It was just God's mm-hmm. outpouring. As um, there in Costa Mesa, Pastor Chuck opened the, for the Friday night concerts and that, and, and God wow. just saved hundreds and thousands of people through the concerts. Wow. You, know? you know, Pastor X, I know we're very concerned about people who come and uh, minister the gospel here. And so it's not like uh, we go out and or just invite any person to come in and to lead worship or, or in that way. And it's important that people understand that there is a priority for the content of yes. what's going out yes. over the pulpit. Well, you know, what happens is um, that um, God did a great work, as I said, through Pastor Chuck, uh, a pure work of God. Um, Chuck was... Um, constantly telling people that he had nothing to do with it people didn't believe it they still don't <laughs> and um and, and and consequently maranatha music came out of that mm-hmm. and god used it but like any other movement or any other person that god uses um a person only has so much control and the larger it gets, other entities and people come in and start tainting and corrupting and their self-interest and everything. And uh, music has come to the place where now Christian music is, quote, quote, almost professional. It's a business. It's Amen. a business. Yeah. And, um, and their agents are no different than agents in the world. They have their uh, contracts, their requirements, everything else. Yeah. And, um, and uh, you know, we have... We try to get the young musicians here before they get corrupted and give them an opportunity to play. And um, we don't merchandise them. We, we take care of them. Amen. We feed them. We, we give them a love gift, stuff like that. But we also warn them. And um, whenever I've uh, spoken to musicians in terms of conferences, I always tell them that, um, that musicians are nothing but bait mm. because... Movements that are heretical or they are just a degree off at first, they will use and try to get talented musicians who are in the current age bracket of the youth to attract them in. Right. So they are really using them for bait. Charismatic, talented. Every, every Christian musician, whenever they're invited to play anywhere, their first step, if they're not talking directly with the person, is to go on the website and find out where this church is going, what they believe. If they are unscriptural, 
they should not go and play for them. Amen. Because when you as a musician simply go because you believe you're talented and you can justify that God opened that door, this huge ministry, this guy invited me. But if you know what they're teaching is wrong or if you don't check if they're, what they're teaching is wrong, God will hold you responsible because you're bringing in the people to be deceived. And this is what a lot of musicians do not understand. And their rationalization would be, well, I'm going to speak the truth when I go there. So whatever it is that they teach, I'm going to tell the truth. Right. But you can't rely on no, that. No, that's not wrong. at all. Because yeah. you are, in fact, endorsing people who could be teaching falsehood. So we need to be vigilant. We need to be diligent about that. You know, Pastor Manny, a few minutes ago, you made reference to the fact that there are a lot of people praying for you. Mm-hmm. And I, I think... People have this idea that pastors are under a more extreme spiritual attack because of their key position in the body of Christ, because they're to be examples. And that may be true, but personally, I have this idea that all the people who are praying for us make such a huge difference in God's ability to to bless and to sustain us and to use us. Do you have that, that experience at all? Yeah, absolutely. I think it was Spurgeon who said that what makes a good pastor is a good congregation. <laughs> Amen. And uh, I'm sure it works both ways because uh, Pastor Chuck has always taught us to teach the word, you know, simply teach the Bible simply. And so hopefully uh, they get healthy. They fall in love with the Lord. And uh, but I, I do think uh, and I and I don't tell the congregation a lot, but every once in a while I say, you know, keep me in prayer. I, I mentioned the radio program today. So. Uh, it, it, you know, that they would, I was nervous. Hey man, keep me in prayer. Uh, I do believe that that's, uh, uh, the key. I honestly think, you know, sometimes, uh, we, we, we think that the ones up on the platform are the ones that are making it happen, but there might be some, uh, little, uh, old, older lady that's sitting in the back pew that no one acknowledges uh, for the most part. And she's at home praying for us or, you know, just, uh, you know, holding us up in prayer. We have uh, women that get together on Wednesday nights and pray. We have uh, the guys Saturday mornings that pray. We have Monday night prayer meetings. And I and I honestly believe that prayer is the key. You know, Pastor Chuck, he wrote a really cool little book called Effective Prayer Life. Mm-hmm. And he talked about how in the, the battle, that uh, the, the key to the battle is the control of the weapon. And so let's just say you're engaged in a battle and someone breaks out a knife or a gun. At that point, the focus is the control of the weapon. And I think for us as Christians, we forget um, that that prayer is the, the weapon, you know. Mm-hmm. And we need to be on our knees. We need to be praying. And so I pray for um, um, my pastor. I pray for Pastor Xavier. Others that have been influences in my life. I, I think it's very important. And uh, we need to you know, continue to do that. I thank God so much for the people that I know pray for me. And there are a huge number of them as well. I mean, for you at the Church of Elmani, and I'm sure others that don't go to that church pray for you. I know we have people praying for us every day, and we're so appreciative. There's a ministry of people that pray weekly for the needs of the body, and I can't tell you what an impact it makes. You know, Paul the Apostle told the Philippians in chapter 1 there that um, because they were concerned that he um, was in jail and perhaps the gospel was coming to a close, whatever, and they were concerned, and Paul says, uh, what are you doing? He says, I'm here by appointment. And by the way, some of the Praetorium Guards says, hi. They've come to the Lord. And he says, and I know that I'm going to be delivered by your prayers. Mm. Yeah. He tells them exactly. Mm-hmm. What an impact. That's awesome. That is amazing. It kind of just bouncing off the thing with prayer. Um, I was last week 
we had uh, Jay from Blue Roos on here, and right. he was sharing with me uh, a story about a missionary um, out in the field. I don't even know if everyone knew exactly where he was. You know, he was anyway. Um, this is when he was inventing this whole technology for the Blue Roos and all, and 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 this missionary just he sensed that at the time the congregation he was from had kind of forgotten about him and wasn't praying for him anymore. And, and once he, Jay launched this whole technology in the station and all, they interviewed this missionary out there uh, just to keep the congregation in touch and up to date what's going on. And he said, after that, he said, I, I can sense the prayers again. You know, I can sense people praying for you again. Amen. Yeah. You know, well, that's certainly our prayer that God would use this opportunity and mm-hmm. all that we do to encourage his people yeah. to, to pray and to be engaged yeah. in the work that goes. And I forward. would imagine, as a pastor, you can probably sense that when your congregation is praying for you at times. I would imagine, looking yeah. back, right? I yeah, mean, you know, my my just, greatest fear is that we would just become a, a machine. You know, we, my greatest fear is that we would do only what man can do, and um, that's not what we want to do as a church. And I think that there is a way in, in today's uh, uh, in America, especially. Well, we can kind of keep the, the, the thing going, you know, with the programs and with the technology and things that a lot of times we, we um, look to. But my prayer is that it would always be the Lord, you know, that he would give weight to the words, that he would give unction to our actions and that, you know, he would be the one really building up the body of Christ. Because I, I am thoroughly convinced that without him, I can do nothing, I'm nothing of any spiritual significance. But I also know I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I have no confidence in the flesh, but I pray that I come to a place where I have complete confidence in God. And so it's always a, a, a battle, um, but my prayer is that that it would be the Lord, you know, working. And I think he's he's done a good work, but I want him to do so much more. You Amen. Know? <laughs> Amen. We're looking for his purpose. Manny, you had mentioned before uh, we were on the air that up until a few years ago, you were working at the same time as being a senior pastor. I think people have this idea that if somebody's going to be a senior pastor of a church, that that really becomes their job, and that in, in many cases that's the way it is, but not always. Yeah, well, when I first started in the ministry, I was uh, I was doing both um, back back in the early days. When I was an assistant pastor, and uh, I I think I can honestly say, I mean, we went two years without a day off, wow. you know, between the two jobs, and uh, that was real tough. That's a very tough place to be. But, um, you know, by God's grace, uh, he's uh, provided for us and uh, it's been a blessing. Every time I come into the office, I honestly, I'm like, wow, Lord, what a privilege, what an honor. I never, I never kind of lose that gratitude that that I am actually on staff here being able to serve the Lord. But, um, and you guys probably feel the same way. I, I get a little bit of afraid too because I'm like, wow, these people are, are out there working and giving, Amen. and they expect me to work hard yeah, too. So, um, yeah, it's, sure. it grips me. Sure. What a privilege! Yeah. What an amazing privilege yeah. it is to serve the Lord that way. You also mentioned earlier in the broadcast that you grew up in the city of El Monte, and I know a lot of pastors don't have that experience as being. In that community where they grew, where their genesis was, where they were a mm-hmm. child. And you must run into people all the time in El Monte because El Monte is sort of a, a small city. It's mm-hmm. a suburb of Los Angeles, but still it's a small city. And there are people there you must meet all the time who you have known in years gone by. 
Does that give you different opportunities to share the gospel? Well, you know, for me, I was in the city of Almani up until about the sixth grade. You know, what happened was uh, I was getting into the gang lifestyle. Back then, it was uh, it was more prevalent, even though it still exists today. But back then, it was it was really bad. I had uh, cousins that were involved in gangs, and I started going that route. And then one night, my father was shot in a drive-by shooting. He didn't die, but what that did was it catapulted me out of the city. I was from that point on uh, raised uh, by my aunt in the city of West Covina, where I got saved. And so in '89, I got saved. So, but those early years, um, Scott, you know, in his sovereignty, uh, he had a plan. Those early years made Almani, for whatever reason, kind of special to me. And I'm sure everybody, mm-hmm. you know, they they every pastor they have a burden for the community that they're serving in, and then it spills over into the surrounding areas and to the ends of the earth, wherever he would call us. But for me, um, Almani just had a place in my heart so that when I got saved, and my wife even uh, kind of experienced something like that, like, why isn't there a Calvary Chapel in Almani? I'm sure there are other good churches, but um, how about a Calvary there with the philosophy of ministry that we've been taught uh, to be able to go in and teach the word, not ask for money, just love the people. And uh, and so, you know, that burden, I just, to me, Almani definitely has a special place. And unless the Lord were to speak audibly, you know, to me, which has never happened, I'm going to die there. I'm committed Amen. to, to Amen. ministering there. It's yeah. such a, I, I can't tell you what a breath of fresh air it is to hear your commitment to the body of believers. Uh, unfortunately, so many people, because people are, like Pastor Xavier mentioned earlier, they're operating from their own agendas. They're manufactured agendas. They see being a pastor of a church as a stepping stone to become some other thing that they imagine is better. But, you know, the best is always to be in that place where God has called you, where he's placed you, and to serve in that situation. It's a, it's a, it is it's such yeah. a privilege for us. Yeah. Manny, do you see God prompting you in prayer in different areas for issues that he would have you pursue? Yeah, yeah. You know, I try to, I try to be sensitive to that. You know, when I was, uh, uh, when I just first became a Christian, God kind of, by His grace, He established a devotional life for me, and uh, He said, "I want you to, you know, be in the Word, be in prayer before you get out in your day." And as I, as I pray, I also kind of try to listen. You know, not in a weird way, but if there's anything that God lays on my heart, you know, and so. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's through prayer. I think I, I don't know if one of the guys said this. He said, you see most clearly, you know, and as you're reading the word and combined with prayer, you're listening to the Lord and then he morphs things. And then he, you know, he directs me as a as a husband, as a as a dad and as a servant, as a pastor. It's always been fascinating through the years to watch the Lord lead and direct Pastor Xavier. Recently, we did a thing here at the church where we went from three services to two. And uh, we we had met three services for many years. And Pastor Xavier just felt impressed. We needed to change and go to two services at a specific time. We meet meet now at 9 a.m. and 1130 a.m. on Sunday mornings. And in my mind, I'm thinking, well, it's going to be so difficult for people to park. And I'm just not understanding. I'm not seeing this. I'm not getting. And, you know, it's amazing because it was totally the Lord. And it has just Mm -hmm. been a real blessing to the body of believers. And that's just a very superficial example 
couple, but it's sure. wonderful to watch God move and direct the work of ministry by his hand mm-hmm. in the hearts of people as he prompts them mm-hmm. in that way. It's, it's really amazing. Yeah, yeah. I remember one person said, what makes a good leader is a good follower of Jesus Christ, <laughs> you know. And so you have your pastor um, on his knees. He's, God is leading him. And thank God for even that, to be honest with you, Pastor Chuck gave to us that freedom for the pastor to lead the flock. Amen. Amen. And that's such an important thing. You know, here in Southern California, we have a a large group of people that are committed to going from one church to another church regularly. (laughs) Do you have that experience in Omani? Yeah. Yeah. I I heard that. It's a a carryover from going from one marriage to another. Oh, man. I hope not. I hope not. (laughs) Yeah, uh, man, that's that's not that's not good though, huh? No, it is. Unfortunately, no, it's, no, it, uh, it would be like a pastor going from one church to another. Yeah. Uh, there are some of those also, unfortunately. Yeah, God some people, us. unfortunately, Christians, they kind of see it as a, a there's a kind of consumerism mentality, you know. I think so. This Sunday I go there, yeah. this Sunday I go there, and uh, it's cool when the Lord shows you this is my home church. There's no perfect church, um, but here is where God has called me to to be planted and to blossom and to serve. So prayerfully, you know, people catch that. There's a necessary commitment involved. If you're going to grow and God's going to work in your life, you, there needs to be a um, cultivation. There needs to be a commitment yeah. for people. But a lot of that's cultural. And that's, uh, the, the church is always um, established within a set culture, within a set time and history. And, and the church has to deal with all those areas. You know, Paul the Apostle dealt with that with the Church of Corinth. Um, the Church of Corinth culturalized the church, uh, much like today. Uh, a lot of the pastors today in the emergent church are culturalizing um, the church through relativity and uh, redefining terms and everything. And uh, they're getting away from the Word of God. Amen. And they're, they don't want to offend people. They want to just um, um, attract people, appeal to people. So you, um, you take away the work of the Holy Spirit. So you don't say, you don't use certain terms. You don't use sin. You don't use repentance. You, you start re- just redefining them, relabeling them. And, uh, pretty soon it's your church. It's not the church of Jesus Christ. Amen. And you may have multitudes, but it doesn't matter. In fact, there's one gentleman that has, um, stadium full of people. Every week. Every week. And I wouldn't want to be him for his socks. Amen. Because the judgment upon him for not preaching the gospel and just being a spiritual motivator of relativism and of situational ethics and all that, mm. what judgment is to that man? You, you devise a church that attract, is attractive to people. People are sick. Mm. People need help. You devise a church that's attractive to people. It's not going to be what they need. Yeah, you know, thank God, oh man, that we have been given that conviction to teach through the Bible. There are times, I'll be honest with you, where I'm like, Lord, how am I going to to make this relevant? And the Lord reminds me, it's relevant. I mean, you don't have to make it. Just teach it. Feed them. Uh, I think of uh, our ministry today uh, 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 similar to that of John the Baptist, who, who said, um, repent. Uh, that was one word that came out of his mouth. He, he pointed people to Jesus. Just point not to himself. He said, I can baptize you with water, but there comes one mightier than I, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to, to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Pointing people to Jesus. And then the other thing is that he's coming. Amen. He's coming. Amen. And I think that we have, to, we have to say those things. Manny, do you see a connection between people who study the scripture and put it into work in their lives 
and those who are able to access tools to deal with difficult circumstances in their lives. Yeah, like the application, yeah, right? You right. know, uh, I think it was Swindoll who said that, uh, you know, interpretation without application is an abortion. You know, and you have to, I always tell people, do your best to connect the dots. You don't want to just uh, learn it. You want to live it. And so, you know, studying the word um, to understand, Lord, how does this apply to my life? How am I going to live this out? What difference does it make to me today? Is is uh, it, It's a little bit more effort. You know, you can go and you can hear a Bible study and you can say it was great. But, you know, did you not just, uh, you know, a hearer, are you a doer? That's the key, you know, for me, and I and I and I try so hard to, I don't know, to bring that to pass in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it makes a huge difference in your life. It you you really become a different person when you're doing the Word of God. You can, like you said, you can sit in Bible studies all week long, and really persuade yourself that you're better off, but have n- no real benefit that the Lord intended. Yeah, there's always one extreme or the other. Either people will expound the text, which is rare; it's not norm. Mm-hmm. And they won't give any application, or they just read generally and jump into application, which often is subjective. Right. It's not even related to the context. And first comes the exposition. You have to tell the people what it meant to the people of that day. Amen. Once you find out what it meant to that day, then you can make the application sometimes straight across, or sometimes has to be in principle. But you must teach the text. There's very few texts in my right hand that can go one way or the other. Every text has one meaning when you do the biblical exposition. So the person needs to know the biblical exposition in the context, historical background, and the language. So that that text will never change its meaning. The application may change, but the text meaning will never change. That's the heart of it. The extension of that, the legs to that is the application. And it's so wonderful to see people applying the Word of God, especially as you teach the Bible week by week. You're not only teaching people how to serve the Lord, you're teaching them how to take the Word of God, put it into their lives, and receive that benefit that they need so badly. And it's got to be so satisfying to see that when it does come to pass. Yeah, that's probably the greatest joy. I think John said, my, my greatest joy is to see to find out, to hear that my children are walking in truth. And, you know, uh, one of the things that I, even as a pastor, I'm sure Xavier would say the same thing. God's still working on us, you know. And so it's not enough to hear the word. It's not enough even to teach the word. You know, we got to live the word. And that's where, you know, God really gets gets a hold of my heart. He wants me to come to that place. That's the whole other ball game, huh? (laughs) (laughs) You know, Manny, a couple of minutes ago, you mentioned the point that the Lord is returning. And this is something that I'm sure we don't go a day without thinking about. We're looking forward to that hour and that day where we will find ourselves in his presence. What an important thing it is and what a a focal point, a focus of his return, how that affects the lives of people who conduct themselves. It, It sort of it injects the fear of God into your life and the way that you conduct yourself and the things you're doing. Yeah. And for people who are listening to us today all over the world. Oh, in over 138 countries, they need to be aware, cognizant that Jesus is coming. Yeah. There is an accountability. At any moment. You know, I, I was reading yesterday, uh, Tony, that every six minutes a Christian lays down his life as a martyr. Uh, last year, 90 
thousand, ninety thousand Christians. Was it ninety thousand? I think yeah, died uh, for their faith. Uh, we don't see that here in America, but around the world, there are there are the signs. God is screaming, "I'm coming," yeah. and so we need to be ready. It can happen at any moment. And so I always tell people, we need to be living in the light of the Lord's imminent return. Yeah. And those of you listening, we uh, pray that if uh, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, as we've been just here chatting, that you would open your heart to Him, recognizing you're a sinner, and that you need the grace of God to be forgiven of your sins, that He might give you eternal life and give you hope for life. And we pray, you don't need us, you just need to call on the Lord Jesus Christ, forgive me for my sins, give me a brand new heart, Lord. Baptize me with the Holy Spirit. I accept you as my Savior, my Lord. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. Yeah. And, and Manny, thank you for being here with us. Thank today. you for thank you, Manny, for coming in. Thank you, Pastor. You've been listening to Keep It Simple. With your host, Pastor Xavier Reese, on Simple Truths Radio. We hope today's broadcast has informed, encouraged, and challenged you in your own personal walk with Christ. For more information regarding Simple Truths Radio Ministries or Calvary Chapel Pasadena, please visit CalvaryChapelPasadena.com. We hope you'll be back for our next discussion, and may God richly bless your day.